Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. I am super excited about uh, our next uh, sessions. And uh, I, I want to uh, set the stage for the next 45 minutes or so. It is, uh, it's really cool when you understand that part of the, I think part of the commonality in top producers uh, is they understand the market. Uh, they're clear on what's happening. They've got the pulse. They understand the vibe. They're plugged into knowledge. And they are smart in the way that, that they are delivering and packaging that knowledge to the marketplace. We are blessed for the next 45 minutes to have two just industry icons with us. Uh, many of you know the Stratmore Group. They are the leading consulting firm in the mortgage space, understanding trends, analysis, and things that matter most to mortgage companies and to the people that work for those companies like you and like us as we serve the mortgage industry. And uh, Garth Graham uh, spent some time with us at our CEO dinner the other night, and I can tell you that having had him on stage last year and doing some really cool interactive things with you in the audience, it really brought to life the power of some of the decisions that we need to make to stay on the leading edge with what's going on in the market. Um, tandem with Garth is another icon, Rob Chrisman, who many of you know by every day reading the Chrisman Report that it is one of the easiest, fastest, most reliable ways for you to stay plugged in to the vibe and the pulse and what's happening in the market today. And if you don't get the Christmas report, you are behind in knowledge. Make sure that as you uh, listen today that you're plugged into that and it becomes part of your daily breakfast of knowledge setting for the day. So welcome to our stage, Garth Grand from Stratmore and Rob Christman from the Christman Report. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> you want to put up that slide, Garth? Yeah, we want to... I worked really hard on these slides and they can't see them right now. I'm a consultant. We live for slides. I feel naked right now because you can't see there. my it's beautiful... There. Oh, there it is. Okay, cool. So you want me to cover very quickly, we did this last year. So try to go to pollev.com slash Stratmore or if you go to pollev.com and you hit I'm participating and you type Stratmore in, you can be in our polling and every single question that comes up that you answer, the answers will show up on the screen. And at the end of this, we'll have an open question where you can type anything you want without moderation. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So be kind. So Rob, be, you and, get, and not don't use swear words. Don't use swear words because there will be no moderation. So, right. so, um, so try to get to the polling software, and then we'll get started in a second. Let's go ahead. Yeah. So, so thank you for spending your morning with us. Uh, when we were talking to Todd <clears throat> a couple weeks back about you know, this event, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about, and I said, do you want us to talk about motivation and meeting clients and so forth? And Todd said, no, I've got that covered. And uh, I said, Garth and I are the pinnacle of physical fitness. Do you want us to, like, lead a, like, an exercise class? Todd says, no, I've got that covered. <laughs> so I'm starting to reach at this point, and I said, so how about we come out with like birds of prey draped over our arms? And, uh, and Todd said, no, I've got that covered too. And I said, what do you want us to talk about? And Todd said, well, 
He said that the, 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 the theme this year is focus, focus. He said, Rob, you write about things every day, every day. You talk about change, changes that loan officers in the industry are going through. <clears throat> talk about change. So I'm sitting there trying to think about how am I going to talk, what, what story can I talk, can I, you know, illustrate change? And I thought back a couple months ago, I was in Wenatchee, Washington, okay, at a little bar in Wenatchee, Washington, sitting there at the bar, and uh, this guy comes in, and his, his neck is like this, and uh, walks up to the bar, says, hey, you know, give me a shot of Cuervo. Bartender gives him a shot. Thanks. He's looking around the bar, says, ah, this is a nice place. Bartender says, yeah, I've owned it for a couple of years. Nice, nice. Give me another shot, you know. Bartender says, hey, you know what? I can't help but notice your neck. <clears throat> I'm a chiropractor. Let me help out. The guy says, ah, don't touch me, man. I've been to every clinic out there. I've been to clinics in Minnesota, North Carolina, and Arizona. Nobody can do anything. <clears throat> Bartender says, you sure? He goes, fine, go ahead. Bartender comes around, click. The guy's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is great, this is great. Quick, give me a drink. <laughs> you got that? <clears throat> Change change. You have to be able to adapt to change. And so when we're talking about change and talking about focus, it's so critical because this, you know, industry changes every day. And you guys are right in the heart of it. The changes that are involved at, at uh, Washington, D.C., right down to your borrowers, right down to credit reports and so forth, it's always evolving. And so what we decided to talk about today was the digital mortgage. When you talk about change and talk about your business model and whether or not the digital mortgage impacts you guys, it's right, uh, right up there. It's of paramount importance. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through some slides and some interesting material for you guys and then answer some questions and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. So Garth, you want to take it away? Sure. I mean, the first thing is you need to understand who the primary speakers are real quick. So I did a quick set of polling and this is really a test to see if you're with me. And by the way, I appreciate it. Last night, Monday night when I spoke to the CEOs, I was what was keeping them from Monday night football and cocktails. Today, I'm who's keeping you from lunch. So I appreciate the death spots there, Todd. So uh, that is correct. At least 7%, 6% of the audience thinks you are New York Times best-selling author. And from that joke, I would think they're not likely. No. Okay. Rob does, which of the speakers have a blog that goes out to 40,000 subscribers six days a week? And I really appreciate the fact that apparently my wife or relative is in the audience and is, you know, throwing me a bone. No, that's not me. Todd, apparently it's not you either. Yeah, exactly. You got me beat. Well, you got your wife. There you go. That's a vote. So, Rob, what's wrong with this slide? Uh, it's actually 50,000 subscribers. Yeah, so... I was unable to do the edits on the fly, and I greatly apologize. But the fact he can produce this material every day is unbelievable. So you need to know something about me. Which speaker is one of the top 10 dot-com failures of the year 2000, according to the Wall Street Journal? Thank you very much. I'm winning this one. I am crushing you, apparently. Yeah, thank so, goodness. So I, I was a retail loan officer for several years, went up through management, 
And in 1996, I got the bug to start my own company, and I started the company that became Mortgage.com. And in 2000, we sold that to ABN AMRO, and I spent seven years there. For those of you who are brokers or were brokers at that time, I was involved with MoI, which is Interfirst website. So I've been connected to the mortgage industry for a last time. And what I like to say, though, is 20 years ago, I started Mortgage.com because I believed that we could create a process that allowed the consumers more transparency, that allowed the process, more of it to be done self-service, which allowed more data to be used as part of the process. And 20 years later, I might be right. So that's really the point of my conversation, because it does feel like things are changing, but I don't think they're changing in the way that the rocketeers of the world, no offense, think it's changing. And watching Marty this morning, I sat there and watched, that dude is going to kill it with the digital mortgage, but maybe not in the way in which you think. So that was sort of my introduction. So I did want to say, though, I appreciate the fact things are getting better. Last year, you and I were on the stage together. You were a really tall dude. This is the jolly green giant and the little green sprout. I've, you're a little more diminutive. I could sit here if you like. Yeah, I mean, you've come down at least a few inches, so I kind of like that. But I came in early <laughs> to take my picture with the cutout. And this is what I found really offensive. You take a look at that. The cutout gave him an extra three or four inches. So we have this whole damn thing backwards. I need the three or four inches on the cutout. You need to cut your ankles off next time and come down to size. So my final joke, before I get into the meat of this, is what is the biggest change from last year's Sales Mastery Conference? There you go, Rob. You're beating the well-dressed man down there. Yeah, the height hasn't changed. Todd, especially day one and two, pretty slick. You're dressing them now? Nicely done. So delegation is a key part of this. Exactly. All right. So apparently Todd's clothes are getting better. So here's a few slides. I'm now getting into the meat of this. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, look at that. What percent of mortgage volume is done by the top 20% of originators? And we do a census at Stratmore. We get all this data, and you're going to see a number of. So most of you think the top 20% of originators do 80% of the volume. 74% of you think that. Okay? Some of you are saying it's more like 60%. What's your guess? Oh, 80%. 80%. It's actually not quite 80%. It's the top 40% of originators do 78% of the volume. The top 20% do about 10 units a month, and every 20% less than that roughly gets cut in half. It's a straight line. Consultants, we love trend lines that look like that. So the amazing part is if you are a retail mortgage banker owner, CEO, or you are even at a bank, the bottom 60% of loan officers have 60% attrition and do less than three loans a month. They are unprofitable, they are unproductive, and it's extremely difficult to make money with the bottom 60%. So you either need to get the bottom 60% up and really, you only need an extra two loans a month from the top 40% to equal the entire bottom 60%. So, so what, what does a loan officer do these days, month-wise? So uh, on, four, four loans a month? Yeah, the average that, is four loans average, a month. The average is four loans a month. 
That's right. Okay. So, but it's the top guys that do the most. And most of the top guys, I would, from all the numbers I heard from everybody today, you know, there are a lot of them are in this room. So you're kind of already, I'm preaching to the choir with this one, but that's always a good thing to do. So here's the other results, because I like to have the male-female in here. 62% of originators are men. Females do more purchase volume than their male peers, 70 to 65. Okay, the males are slightly more productive, but the females have longer tenure and lower turnover. This is the shocking news. Yeah. Women apparently are better at commitment. That's crazy right there. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a scary one, though. If you're an executive, 60% are white. Okay? Asians and African Americans comprise roughly 3%. Hispanic is about 7%. We are, as an industry, a little too white, a little too male, and 50% of first-time homebuyers over the next 10 years are non-white. So Hispanic being the, most, the largest number. As an industry, we need to do something about that. So the one thing, and here's the reason I wanted to put this in here, the other is everybody's saying how much is going through Consumer Direct. And I'll give you the stat, over 50% of all refinances go through Consumer Direct. I'm sure that's not shocking to you. This question is what percent of purchased units are done through Consumer Direct? What's your guess? Rob? Uh, Consumer Direct, purchase uh, more than 50%. More than 50%. Oh, I'm sorry, purchase. Purchase, purchase, purchase uh, 20%. Yeah. It's 20%, dude. Do you see these slides ahead of time? Uh, not this one. Yeah. It's 20%. Six years ago, it was 11. Now, you can look at this two ways. 80% of all purchase loans are done through retail originators. That's the upside. So if you're a retail mortgage banker, it's still 80% of the business. The bulk of it is done through local, loan officer-related relationships occurring in marketplace. Absolutely. But it does appear more and more is going to Consumer Direct, and I want to break down a few reasons why I think that is. Okay? So here's what I define as digital mortgage. There's two elements. Number one, the ability to interact with the consumer across all their potential interaction methods. Most notably, of course, the face-to-face, -face, as Marty described this morning, very compelling. But consumers like to use text. They like to use get, receive emails. And I can give you some stats on this in a second. But they will set the pace at the way they want to interact with people involved in the process. So that is one. The second is the ability to generate document data instead of documents. And what people think Rocket is, is the ability for customers to apply online, fill it all out, give access to their bank statements. That is part of it. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But the other part is the ability to interact with them across a lot, many of the ways in which they want to be interacted with. There's two of them. I like to say the two largest technology advancements in our industry. Number one, anybody want to throw it out there? What do you think? Hmm? DU. 
Do you remember in 1995 when DU came out and everybody said, law officers, why would I want to take all that information and have to go through an approval? That's the underwriter's problem. What do the underwriters say? I don't trust that black box. They don't know what I know. Well, guess what? We ended up with automated underwriting. Okay, that's number one. The second largest development, the dual monitor. <laughs> so that you could get the document on the left side of the screen and convert the image to a data element on the right side of the screen, and that's what we do. A huge part of the time we spend, no matter how well you do it up front, you still spend a boatload of time converting the image to the data. And the digital mortgage is really about getting the data up front. So one, in order to do these two things, you have to engage with the customer, because you can't just take the data. It's not just out there in their bank statements. You have to actually get them to opt in and give it to you. And how are you going to be able to do that? Trust. Because you can't, what's, what's missing in so many of the digital solutions is they send it to the borrower and they say, apply online. And the third question is, give me access to your Bank of America bank statement. You haven't quoted them a rate. You haven't given them a value proposition. You have, I mean you, not you, but the online lender probably hasn't given them a total cost of ownership or total cost analysis. He certainly hasn't given them a loan approval. And they're saying, give me your data. Guess what? That doesn't work. The ones that work are the ones where an originator or somebody schooled in communication connects and engages with the customer, builds trust, and gets the customer to opt in to the process. So this morning, Marty will have this when digital mortgage becomes the norm as part of his presentation. It'll be right in there. He'll explain it to the borrower, why it's an advantage, and they'll opt in and do that process. So, I'm going to ask this one to level set us. So when we're here 25 years from now, hopefully, this number will go up. So my question to the loan officers in the room, do you use a process that lets consumers share their source data from banks? Do you? Working on it. Somebody voted we like stare and compare, so I appreciate that, because it's, you know, you could... Yes, no. So the vast majority do not have a process. Is that surprising to you? Does yeah. not. Yeah. So this is the big holy grail of this whole piece. And you can look at it and say, hey, I'm good. They bring me my documents. Why should I make the borrower do it? So I'll give you one little indication, and that is, Right now, and back to my DU, when DU came out, lenders were slow to adopt until Fannie Mae said to the lender, if you use DU, you have a lower risk on the loans that are delivered, Fannie Freddie. And suddenly, what happens? Oh, now I have an incentive. Within 12 to 18 months, Fannie and Freddie are going to come out with rep and warrant relief for loans where the digital data is provided to them as part of the submission. So what this means as an originator is if you hand them the data for bank statements, okay, which means the borrower has to have handed it to you, Fannie will review it, look at it, 
and give you back a decision, and there'll be nothing about document large deposits because they saw the data. There's nothing about verify all liquid assets because they already saw it. They'll simply say, you're done. They'll even be able to say, I see the ACH on income. Okay? So I, I keep coming back to the DU, for those of you who were with us in 1995. It was a catalytic mechanism for change, and both agencies are in pilots with these types of solutions. They're not at rep and warrant relief yet, so do not run to your capital markets guy and say, I want that extra basis points because of my rep and warrant relief because I'm doing it. But it's coming. So I'm going to pause right there. What do you think? <clears throat> I agree. The, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, when you talk about digital mortgages and, and uh, reps and warrants and what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are doing, <clears throat> on one sense, Fannie and Freddie are reacting to the demands by you and demands by borrowers. On the other hand, they are leading the industry forward or trying to lead the industry forward. So to be able to use this information, uh, for you guys to be able to use this information is critical. The fact of the matter is you guys have uh, all these tools at your disposal. You have, uh, you know, one of the things, Garth, when you were defining digital mortgage, one of the things you didn't mention in terms of interaction was actually meeting in person, which I guess is not digital. But time and time and time again, when I talk to successful loan officers and branch managers, they want face-to-face -face interaction. They are proud of the fact that they still interact with that person. They feel that they are a trusted advisor to that borrower. And that's one thing that a digital mortgage or filling out an application online is not going to give a borrower. They're not going to have that personal touch. People want to do business with people that they like. They want to do business with somebody that they trust. Um, uh, there's, there's another quick joke, another quick joke. Uh, a guy gets on an airplane and uh, over the loudspeaker says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the flight today. Uh, we are trying out our exciting new digital cockpit. There's not a human in the cockpit. Uh, and we guarantee that nothing can go wrong, that nothing can go wrong, that nothing can go wrong, that nothing can go wrong. <laughs> so people want somebody to talk to. The companies who have said, well, they can fill out their application online or they can, they're buying a, uh, getting a loan is just like a rental car. You know, you go on to Hertz or whatever, click, 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 you're done. That's not the case with mortgages. <clears throat> the first-time homebuyers now, the millennials, they're used to click, 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 getting things done in a hurry. They need somebody, I would argue, uh, to explain to them why getting a loan takes 45 or 60 days. Why does an appraisal take so long? Why this? Why that? They could look it up online but they want somebody to hold their hand. They want somebody that they can trust, and obviously that is you guys here. So in terms of using that information, you can't deny that the information is out there. You guys have to use every tool that you have available to ascertain credit risk, to ascertain collateral risk. The same with the agencies, the same with Wells Fargo and Chase and U.S. Bank and PennyMac and so forth. Using that information will distinguish, I think, the mortgages in the future versus where things have been in the past. Absolutely. I, so we've been involved in two of these digital pilots. One failed, one succeeded. Same vendor. Both retail mortgage bankers, not call centers. So same, 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 one failed, one didn't. 
The one that failed sends the on link to the online app and then measured what percent of the people filled the whole thing out and then said, see, it didn't work. Bars won't adopt it. The one who succeeded is the one who said, I sent it to your online app, but I made the process flexible. You can skip that. Fill out what you like. Then the loan officer meets with them, does a great job, reinforces the value of entering the information to share it digitally because it'll be a much better process for you and here's the five reasons why. Okay? Same reason that you like doing online banking. Same reason that you like to monitor your checking account. There's a lot we can do together online. Some customers opt in, some didn't. Then the loan officer assistant follows up, as they're known to do. Eight per, per eight loans per month, you should add another assistant. Is that the number? I should have done a slide on that. See, I was listening. So the loan officer assistant follows up, reinforces it again. Hey, if you enter that information, then we're going to have all the information necessary to process your loan. It's going to be a lot better. Then you do a conditional loan approval. And you go back to them and you give them the loan conditions. The processor, let's say, is saying, I now need your bank statements. I need W-2s. I need pay stubs. They say, the way you can give this to me is the paper that you didn't show up day one maybe with. But the other way is you just enter it online. Now, at that point, you have traded information and built trust. In a perfect interview, you might do it all in one shot. But if you've got them in front of you and can get them to enter the digital credentials, they trust you enough to come to your office and take time off work, like getting your hair cut, they're going to enter the credentials for their Bank of America account, and you're halfway there. Plus, the pleasure of the fact that you're probably stealing this loan customer from Bank of America. Is there anybody from Bank of America in the room? I should have asked that question first. Yeah. So the point is, the two differences weren't the vendor, it was the willingness of the salesperson to change their process up front and reinforce the value of the digital experience to the consumer. So that would be the one I would say. I think you're right, it's, but it's, I don't think it's either or. I think it's a combination of both. Am I good? What percent opt in and provide access? So you guys, for those of you who do this process, go ahead and say, for those of you who don't, you can, you know, put, hit the don't know button. Right. Oh, it's all over the map, less than 5%. So this one, I kind of almost gave you the punchline. The answer is kind of, it depends on how much you're willing to work at it and what value you see. So the point is, of the lender who is successful in their pilot, 50% of their loans are entering the digital credentials during processing. That's a big number. It's only 25% of the originators who are using it. There's your number again. The good ones, that's why 50% of their loans is that only 25% of the loan officers are doing it, but the ones that are doing it do a lot of loans because you're picking up efficiency. You're also picking up the fact you don't have to have a different interpretation of what a large deposit is, hopefully, with an underwriter. You don't have to put the list of all these conditions. You don't have to risk that the processor might enter the information in the LOS incorrectly. It's all data. So at some point, I think there'll be a hockey stick. Customers, you said, you have to explain to them why it takes 45 days, or you need to begin to shave the 45 days off. So one or the other is, you know, in both, is probably the best approach. That one surprise you? No. Yeah. 
So it's, it's all over the map. By the way, it is less than 5% if you just send them a link and say, fill this out, less than 5%. The one thing I will tell you, though, about Quicken, what's happening with Quicken, they are getting a huge number of pre-approval without property. Huge. Now, it's a struggle for them because they don't have the way to connect face-to-face, -face, walk them through it, talk about what the house looks like. They do it kind of in an automated way. Different, way different than what you do. But what they're getting from this huge mass marketing is a whole breed of customers who are anxious about loans. That's their messaging. It's not that hard, just try it. And they don't charge for it, right? They charge in rate. But they don't charge, you know, to use it. It's easy, just give it a try. They're getting a lot of leads from it. That's what it's proven to be so far, a huge number of pre-approval leads, which they then have to work through, you know, not leveraging the value of face-to-face. -face. That's what's happening with Quicken. So I'm going to ask this one. What is the top reason we do customer satisfaction research? We surveyed 150,000 consumers who closed loans in the last year. 150,000. If you were here last year, you got a lot more data on our survey. What was the top reason of these four for choosing my lender, according to borrowers? So we say, what was the number one reason? 32% lender reputation, 64% realtor, 6% bank, 6% rate. One of those is pretty close to the right answer. But it was a trick question. 150,000 surveys. 33% of borrowers said, which is that second bar, can't get my little clicker to work. This one, 33%, my interaction with the originator or loan officer, and by the way, we, we rank customer satisfaction on a scale of 0 to 100. Customer sat, 94%. Okay? Reputation lender, 5%. Okay? Those two have the highest level of customer satisfaction. This next one over here, this is the old-fashioned way. Hope I don't fall off. A referral from friends, family, and associates. That number was 10%, but apparently Marty got like 10 more referrals during the course of this, so now it's 11. That was a joke. I didn't get that. So apparently that's 11 right there. Okay? Lender fee, 2%. My realtor referral, 22%. Lender had the best rate. 4%, and look what happens to customer sat. When the borrower says they chose for rate, for product, for bank relationship, for builder referral, or that the loan was sold to the servicer, their customer satisfaction rate drops. Why? No relationship. All the relationship ones to the left have the high sat, but the realtor, 22%. So what do you think that's about? It means, it doesn't mean, by the way, that you don't want realtor referrals and that realtor referrals aren't important, but it's really about how you handle them, i.e., the customer's ability to connect my interaction, which is going to drive it. Only 4% said rate, and the customer relationship satisfaction is all tied to the relationship. Does that one surprise you? I kind of I sandbagged you, didn't I? Because I didn't give you the chance to say it's me. It's right. you. It really is you. It probably shouldn't surprise anybody because if you think about it, let's take, you know, there was a photo earlier of, of somebody getting a haircut. If Not that, you. If that haircut person 
change salons or change barbershops, you will tend to follow that person. You almost don't care what barbershop they work for. Uh, you have a uh, physician for your child. They belong to a certain clinic or a certain uh, you know, healthcare unit. That doctor changes from one healthcare organization to another healthcare organization, as long as it's covered in your insurance. You're, more li- you're gonna follow that pediatrician. So that doesn't surprise me. Like I said earlier, it's a personal yeah. business. It's still a personal business. I think the other piece I would say is they think the digital tools can make you make it even better. You know, if you, if you have a whole set of digital tools, suddenly, you know, Marty might pick up an extra 15 minutes. And that's 15 minutes he can spend talking about the potential for the referrals. Or 15 more minutes setting up that next realtor appointment or something like that. So, this is the last one I'm going to kind of cover. And the reason is, something's happened in the last two years with real estate search. And I think you guys need to be aware of it. And I think it may be different than you think. Now, if any of you in here already get leads from Zillow, then you probably may have heard some of these statistics. But this, what I'm about to describe, is not rate table lending. Zillow started as a rate table. So for us in the mortgage industry, you look at it and go, good God, it's like a race to the bottom. You just keep dropping rate, 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 and that's all it is, right? This is not that. This is very different. So what percent of real estate searches on Zillow-related entities most of you got it. It's 50%, which, by the way, explains why the NAR, RealtorMove.com, are anxious about Zillow. But Zillow's got a ton of search. And the reason is, and we'll share these slides so you, know, you don't have to take a million pictures there, but in 1970 to 2000s, what it really was was consumers working with realtors who handed it off to lenders. That was pretty much the model. A lot of agents driving customers around and then ultimately referring them to a loan officer at some point. And there's still a fair amount of that business obviously being done. But what's happening with Zillow is that 75% of all leads being generated through Zillow, or actually all people who visit the, the Zillow website and take action, do not have a realtor. It's the exact same experience Quicken's having with Rocket Mortgage. So you're like, well, how the hell did that happen? Because you don't need a realtor to search for a home. You need them for the lockbox. You need them to get in. You may need them for all the value they add in helping you figure it out, getting over your inertia, it's going to be okay, write a contract, negotiate terms, get it to settlement. There's all sorts of value. And by the way, I want to be clear, everybody in here, realtor is always capitalized. You notice that? I capitalized it. So I'm showing them the respect they deserve. It's capitalized and it's a title, okay? But borrowers are beginning to see all the houses through their online search, but they're anxious about the loan. So they are seeking out assistance through Zillow, where you can go realtor or you can go lender. They're ending up lender. Two years ago, it was 25%. Totally different in the last two years. Now, Zillow has, so it more looks like this, all working together. Zillow has a model that allows you to post and have a local loan officer page. They have a local lender directory. You do not have to buy leads to participate. It's tied to you as the loan officer, it's tied to the company. 
and you can post reviews. So one of the things we've done with lenders is create a customer satisfaction system where we measure customer satisfaction on every closed loan, we get it directly from the borrower, and then we push the happy customers automatically to post testimonials on Zillow. The reason this is important is if you get a bank, a, a realtor referral, John Jones, well, let's use a unique name, Garth Graham, the customer is inclined, no matter how good the realtor might hand it off to you, no matter how well you train your realtors to do it the right way, the customer, like everybody else, is probably going to type your name in Google. And if you are on Zillow with testimonials, that's going to be the first listing. You can't beat their ability to generate SEO traffic. You can try. Good luck. If you've got a boatload on your own page, you might be right up there. Your Facebook, be careful, will also be near the top. Maybe LinkedIn, but Zillow is going to be right there above the fold if you're on Zillow, and you don't have to buy Zillow leads to do it. So the reason I say this is this is something a local, realtor, uh, local loan officer who believes in local, believes in local communication, believes in face-to-face, -face, can still harness the power of digital if you're willing to get those testimonials. And if you don't believe me, you should buy Todd Duncan's most recent book, Five Star Ratings. How's that? Nice. nice. That was pretty good. That wasn't even in the script. All right. So I've left now plenty of time. You guys can ask questions. Here's the part where you need to be, you know, somewhat professional, like, you know, for moderation. But you guys can go ahead and type questions in, and they'll appear on the screen, and we'll crank through them. How are we doing on time, by the way? Five minutes. Oh, it said nine. I was working off nine. Five minutes. So there's one, Todd. Where? Or uh, Rob. My turn? Yeah, first one. Will the, uh, do you think the brokers will survive? Nope. Next question. No. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, the brokers will. Denise Donahue has a better presentation than me. This is unfiltered. So I think the brokers will survive. Um, uh, I think that many of them will prosper. I think that... Uh, uh, that is a question I receive all the time via email, and I, I do receive a lot of questions via email. Will the loan officer survive? Will the broker survive? Will, you know, what do you think of direct-to-consumer? What do you think of the correspondent channel? What do you think of the wholesale channel? Yada, yada, yada. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? I will argue that the broker channel uh, and, the loan, and loan officers in general are filled with savvy, entrepreneurial, intelligent business people. Regardless of where they put their energies, they will thrive. You could take a, an aggressive business person and put them in the retail channel, they'll do well. You put them in the broker channel, they'll do well. You put them in the direct-to-consumer channel, they'll do well. <clears throat> it's a matter of using the tools that you guys are learning here. And I think being consistent. <laughs> I should watch this. I told you, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was talking to a loan officer of a uh, major bank that you've uh, all heard of, and, the, and this was their leading loan officer. 
and we were talking about consistency, and he was wondering about me sending out my commentary six days a week. How do I do that day after day after day? X number of words, X you know amount of relevant content. And he said, "I can't believe how consistent you are." He said, "But you know what? When I was a kid, I was a uh, I worked in the uh, locker room of uh, the Baltimore Orioles, and then uh, one day the Bat Boy called in sick." And I got to be a bat boy for the Baltimore Orioles, and I kept that job for some years. And he said the amazing thing about that was that after the game was over, okay, this is after the game was over and the other people are cleaning up the stands and so forth, that is when, and this was back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, he said guys like Carl Yaskremski would come out, or uh, Rod Carew would come out and say, hey kid, throw me, can you throw me a couple hundred balls? And so after the game was over, these top major leaguers would go out and work on their swing because they had some little glitch, they wanted to get something right, something didn't feel right, and they would work into the night on that, trying to be consistent, trying to work on their swing, their footing, and so forth. So he <coughs> remarked, thought, found that remarkable. These guys, these stars, who you'd think, oh, they'd be you know, partying up at the hotel, they were out working into the night being consistent, working on their consistency. And that's what made them successful. And I will argue that when you talk about the broker channel, when you talk about the loan officer channel, you know, loan officers are not going the way of you know, whale oil you know, salesmen or typewriter ribbon manufacturers. I'll, I, I, I firmly believe that they'll, they'll thrive and, and continue to do well. Yeah. So your thoughts? Remember my statistic from the very, one of the very first slides? The bottom 60% I think are at risk. Because sure. at some point, it's, it's just not profitable or productive to retain them. But certainly, if you're hitting the higher echelons in productivity and leveraging digital tools, I think you'll just become more and more valuable. Absolutely. By the way, I have a few questions in here about what does source data mean, and I should have explained it. Source data means you are getting the data through a secure method directly from the institution where it came from. So you are getting, yes, it includes the borrower opting in to enter for a one-time use, their username and password for Bank of America, as an example, and the system pulls the Bank of America data and retains it, can't be touched, can't be changed, digitally. When you then submit to automated underwriting all down the line and in pilot now, Fannie grabs the data and reviews it. So that's what source data means. So that stare and compare, there's no stare, there's nothing to stare at. It's the data that's being read automatically, and it ultimately includes IRS information. I have no idea about Joey's Turkish prison, so I'm not going to comment on that. Um, you can come see me afterwards, and I'll explain the Zillow model. How do you, you know, get on the Zillow thing? It's free and it's easy. Um, what other Why should I have say? to worry about regulations and agencies? Oh yeah, that was down. <coughs> yep. Um, because it's part of your job? Uh, because that distinguishes you from uh, somebody sitting in the basement of a direct-to-call center or direct-to-consumer call center. Uh, I think that, I mean, that's something I deal with every day, is what's relevant to people out there. What information can you guys use that can best serve your borrowers and make you the subject matter expert? Because that's what your borrowers want. They don't want somebody, and you're sitting across from them, and they say, I hear Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going away. Is that true? And have you say, uh, I don't know. Or, gee, 
what are rates going to do after the election? Uh, I don't know. Let's flip a coin. You know, they want educated answers. They want you to be the subject matter experts. And so when you talk about the agencies, when you talk about regulations, you don't have to be a compliance expert. You don't have to be uh, uh, going to Washington, D.C. all the time and listening to the debates with the CFPB and, and the agencies and what's going on with Wells Fargo and so forth and so on. But I think, which is why I put the commentary out, I think that you need to be aware of it. And that makes you a better loan officer. And <clears throat> one better loan officer after another, that's exactly what we as an industry need to overcome much of the public relations nightmare that we've had for the last eight or ten years. So I, I think uh, when you talk about uh, regulations and what's happening with the agencies, I, see, I think it's very, very important for them to be aware of that. Yeah. By the way, there were at least a few people who said, how do I sign up for Rob Chrisman's report? www.robchrisman.com. There it is. Sign yeah. up. It's free. What else? Uh, I got all sorts of Zillow-related questions. Orioles so still rock. That's good. Orioles still rock. Automatic appraisals, yeah. So there was appraisals. One. I love appraisals. Let's yeah. talk about appraisals briefly. It's not really talking about the topic, though. We're here to talk about digital mortgages. Yeah, so it's... But uh, uh, you're not alone. Certain areas have uh, worse problems with uh, appraisals than others. I've written about it quite a bit. I was talking to... I've talked to a couple of appraisers, and a couple of them have really summed this up very nicely. Uh, uh, one appraiser uh, I was talking to earlier this week, she said... Um, I said, so how's it going out there? And she's an appraiser in San Francisco. And she said, you know, I get a lot of orders every day. And if two orders cross my desk, and one is a cookie cutter, vanilla, you know, a quarter acre lot, single family home, uh, and the other order is, uh, you know, two houses on one lot, and next door is an Arco gas station, and I know that if I do that, uh, and it's more than a million dollars in San Francisco, I know if I do that, it's going to get reviewed by my QC department, and then it'll get reviewed by the uh, lender, and then it'll get reviewed by, reviewed by the investor, and then it'll get reviewed by one of the agencies. It's just, <clears throat> I'm going to pick the vanilla property every time. Another appraiser was talking about, I was talking to them about changing the requirements of uh, education requirements because... Uh, they're, they're very onerous. And he said, I asked the guy, I said, Are, have you ever trained uh, appraisers yourself? And he said, yeah, I trained a couple some years ago. He goes, I'll never do it again. And I said, why not? He said, do you really expect me to train my future competitor who's going to undercut me on price as soon as they're done training under me? I said, well, I can't disagree with that. So I think when you talk about the appraisal problems, and, and granted they are worse in some parts of the nation, the appraisal issue uh, is something we're all dealing with. At some point, it'll, it'll, it'll taper off a little bit. But I think really the, the process of becoming an appraiser uh, has to be changed. And I think they're working on it. Mm -hmm. So I think we're, uh, we're know, over. pretty close. The one I would say, and one of the questions that just came up here is, how would you change your prospecting strategy based on the fact more people are willing to contact lenders before realtors? And first of all, whoever wrote that question did not use the capital R. So you show some respect. But imagine having a whole bunch of pre-approved borrowers that you get through your own digital outreach efforts or, or your own ability to generate referrals through your previous customers and being able to deliver those to the realtor. It's a pretty powerful to be able to deliver those types of referrals into the real estate network. And then you're really deepening the relationship that way too. Thank you very much, guys, for having us. 
Right. Be around for a bit. Thanks, Rob.